in a world of analytics and numbers and data and quotes that tell us what gets measured, gets managed, could actually looking at the numbers in your business be hurting you in your business, not helping? Let's discuss. Welcome to episode 40 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Who else? Pumped to spend some time with you today. Hey, last night, I just reopened the doors to my private business community, my six-figure coaching community. This is an amazing group of entrepreneurs who have online businesses, big and small, who want help growing, okay? They've already started their businesses, so they're not at the beginning necessarily. They have it up and running. They've made some dollars, some quite a few dollars, but they want to grow to that $100,000 a year or more mark, or they want to hit that goal while working fewer and fewer hours. And so in this group, I'm coaching these students every single week with a live coaching call every month, interactive private community every day, and brand new masterclass trainings on different topics like how to sell with webinars or how to 2X your next launch. Whatever it is, I'm teaching brand new stuff every month and coaching these students. And it's private, and I keep the doors closed most of the year, and I reopened them last night. And they're open only until this Friday, January 24th, Uh, at midnight Pacific. So if you already have a business and you want some coaching and you want some help and you want a supportive community, this is the time to join. Not only should you join because the doors are closing on Friday, but I am letting people in at these founders rates, which are lower than they will ever be again. When I reopen this community the next time in the future, maybe later this year, price is going up, never coming back down to this price again. So if you're at all interested and getting some help. It's ridiculously affordable uh, considering the alternatives for private coaching and masterminds and things like that. I try to make it really accessible for entrepreneurs. Go check it out. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash community. There's a bunch of details there. You can figure out exactly what is uh, included in the community, and you can see some, some results that a lot of my students have been getting and get some feedback from them as to what they love about the community. Come see if it's a good fit for you. Please join, if you're at all interested, join before Friday because the doors close and whenever I open it up again, prices are going up. So that's all at grahamcochran.com slash community. All right, let's talk about numbers today and analytics. Uh, It was over the Christmas break. um, I was reading the paper. I think it was actually the day after Christmas. I'm reading the paper. Um, There was a great article in the Washington Post on fitness devices like smartwatches, Fitbits, Apple Watch with a bunch of fitness-related training apps, things like that. And the article was called Data Catch 22, Your Gadgets Can Thwart Your Workouts. Now, as someone who uses um, devices to track data for both working out, I love Orange Theory Fitness. I don't know if you do OTF, Orange Theory Fitness, love, love, love working out Orange Theory, they just use a simple heart rate monitor to track your heart rate. And there's some different zones they want you to be in throughout the hour workout. So there's some data there we can see on a screen or if you're on your treadmill, you can see in front of you. Uh, And then also as a cyclist, 
uh, have a heart rate monitor and sort of a Garmin device that tracks my heart rate, but it tracks my speed and my average speed and elevation and all this different stuff. I mean, there's data out there, right? And you, you're you're familiar with this. At the very basic, a lot of people are just tracking their steps, like trying to get my 10,000 steps in, uh, or they're tracking their calories burned in a workout or whatever it is. But this was a fascinating article. Um, and they interviewed a few people. Uh, there's a runner her name's Bree uh, Cossey. And so she became obsessed. She talks about how she became obsessed with smartwatches. She's been running since 2008, but as smartwatches and all these apps became more popular, for her, it was a, a logical next step. She's already a good runner, loves running. This is going to help her improve. Um, so she got all these apps to track her pacing, track her stats. Uh, but she found over time that her, this is fascinating, her running time stopped improving because she was pushing to hard. She even, not only did her time, listen to this, she buys the the devices, tracks her pacing, and finds that her running times are getting worse because she finds that she's pushing herself too hard. And she says she even had trouble getting pregnant. Quote, I realized I was hurting my body and that the data was ruining my life. Okay. Check this out. The article went on to say, that there was a 2015 study in the Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise. And the study found that when cyclists in the study group were hyper-focused on hitting a certain measurement, such as the pace on a watch, their perceived exertion was high. Conversely, so when they're focused on a pace, their exertion's super high. Conversely, when letting go of specific metrics and focusing instead on factors such as form, breathing, or even nothing at all, athletes tended to achieve better results as much as 10% better. Fascinating. So cyclists who didn't track their pace on a watch or app and just instead of focused on their form, their breathing, or nothing at all achieved 10% better results And then there was another runner they interviewed in the Washington Post article. Her name was Holly Sick. She said, quote, I'm actually running. So she gave up her her, uh, devices, now runs without any device. She says, I'm actually running more miles and doing it injury-free because I'm listening to my body instead of my watch. Okay. A, I'm just, that's interesting. It's an interesting article. Uh, B, immediately when I read this article, I thought of business. I thought of business because it's a very similar domain in that we're looking for specific results. As a runner or a cyclist, you want specific results. You want to run faster. You want to run farther. You want to maintain a better average pace. Whatever it is, you want to improve your fitness. And there's just numbers to tell you whether you've improved or not. And so then we use numbers to track how we're doing on our path to improving. It's the same with business, okay? I just talked about earning six figures, right? I have this entire coaching community called Graham's Six Figure Coaching Community. That is a number that people have in their head they want to reach. Now, if you join the community, you'll realize it's more than just reaching six figures. It's really reaching your income goals and having a more holistic view on your business, but making more money, right? Six figures is usually a target that a lot of people want to reach, that hundred thousand dollar a year mark. But the problem is you could pick a number like that and say, I want to reach six figures in my business, 
or even if it's not as much, I want to be making 5,000 a month. That's a great goal. I love goals. I love numbers. But then we use numbers in our business, right, to measure, are we there yet? So we rely on data, sales data, email opt-in data. We look at analytics. I can look at analytics in my business and my Kajabi backend. If you create content, you can look at your analytics on your podcast downloads like this or your YouTube views like this, right? You can track all the numbers to see, am I there yet? And what's fascinating to me, because I've been in business for over a decade, and I, I've done I've done all of it. I've like been hyper focused on the numbers, and then I've been not focused on the numbers at all, and then I've been like a hybrid, like kind of focused on the numbers. And so I have personal opinions on this. And since this show is called the Graham Cochran Show, I'm going to give you Graham Cochran's opinion because in this show, that's the only opinion that, opinion that I think I guess matters. <laughs> Somebody literally asked me. I've been asked for people who um, side tangent but related. I get emails from people who must go through lists of uh, recent podcasts or any podcast or whatever. And they are like the assistant on behalf of so-and-so. It's like so-and-so who I work for is a super well-known author and and they could bring a lot of value to your audience. And we would love if you would interview them on your podcast. Here's some three talking points. So it's funny how like people want their their team to work for them to get them on a podcast. It makes a lot of sense. And I always say, no, my show is all about me. It's called the Graham Cochran Show because I'm obsessed with myself. No, just joking. Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty funny. I make fun of myself and the name of my show. But since it's the Graham Cochran Show, I'm going to give you my opinion. And my opinion, based off of my personal experience, which is how the opinion starts, and based off of coaching many other online business owners, both small and big, people that are making just a few hundred bucks a month to people that are doing multiple six figures, I have seen... And this is what I want to talk about today. I have seen that overly obsessing with the numbers, being overly data-driven, actually can hurt your business. It actually can hurt you from getting to reach your business goals. So like ironically, if you wanted to make six figures in 2020, overly obsessing on the, the numbers or the analytics or the sales data could actually impede your progress from reaching that goal, which sounds very counterintuitive, especially, and that's one reason why I wanted to do this episode is I really like to push against the culture. because I think a lot of the culture in business, surrounding business right now is really whack. I think it's really, really whack. Uh, I want to be a voice of reason because I don't think there's a lot of reason in this space. Now, there's a lot of smart people who are very successful. So if, if all you care about is making money, then there's a lot of people you can listen to who can help you make money. I can help you make money too, but that's not all I care about. I care about having a life. And I care about that for myself too. I can get off track and get whack. That's why I have a wife. She's really wise and she knows me really well and she can tell when I'm getting whack, getting off track. So, and I don't want that. I don't want to just grow for growth's sake. I don't want to just make more money for more money's sake. Now I have reasons why I want to make more money. Most of them have to do with being able to give it away, but I, I, that's not a metric I care about that much. I care about holistic life. I want a successful business in all aspects of the word. And I probably assume you want that too, right? You want to make enough money to reach your income goals and do the things you want to do and care about or need to do. Uh, you want to be able to have time to, to live the life, right? Money is one currency. You need money to pay for things. But you could have all the money in the world. If I said, look, I'm going to give you a million dollars a day, a million dollars a day, guaranteed salary. Um, but you have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week to earn that. Like, would you, would you make that trade? 
No. No, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. You have all of one currency that you need, money, and have none of another currency which you need, which is time. So business cannot be all about revenue or making money at the expense of time because then you have money, but you don't have a life to spend that money or use that money or, or, or enjoy that money with the people you care about. So, uh, right, that seems obvious when you say it, but all the business advice out there is all about growth and making more money. I mean, most of it is until a guru who's really good at making money burns out and then writes a book or has a whole new agenda on his or her podcast about how you can't burn out and need to have more balance in your life, which is good, but it's only because they hit the wall. They blew their adrenal glands or whatever they ended up doing and realized, oh my gosh, sleep is important. Oh, Oh my gosh, rest is important. Oh my gosh, recreation is important. Oh my gosh, working all the time and making lots of money isn't the only metric of success. So my whole point in this rant is that there's more to business than just making revenue. So yes, I want to make more money, but I want to make sure that I'm focused on all the metrics that really matter. Quality time, being able to live the life that I feel like God's calling me to live, being able to give of myself to the relationships that are close to me and beyond. Um, to have margin in my life when unexpected things come up, to be able to to serve someone or love somebody or be flexible or be available or whatever it would be. So the problem with all these numbers, and we'll get into some takeaways here in a minute to make this really practical for you because I, w- I want to get you thinking. I want you to self-evaluate. Otherwise, why listen to this podcast? Like, don't Don't just listen to me and say, oh, great idea, Graham, on any of these episodes. I want you to evaluate yourself to see where are you? Are you healthy? Are you making these same mistakes? So I have been obsessed with lots of different numbers in the past, okay? I want to give you a couple of examples. One, the, I have a membership site that uh, I've been running for over seven years called Dueling Mixes. And I run it with a good buddy of mine, Joe Gilder, who has a very similar uh, business. And it's been a fun project to do. Um, there was, so we thought, when we started this online business, uh, this membership site, excuse me, that it would just be a, a little side thing and it would you know, maybe make us each an extra couple thousand dollars a month or something. It'd be another revenue stream, right? Like we talked about last week. Um, but God had other plans for it. This membership site blew up. It became its own multi-six-figure business just by itself, which was incredible. So um we got real serious and continued to promote it and, and measure it and grow it. And so there was a season where I was obsessed with the numbers. And so we had a spreadsheet um, that we created. And every week, every week, we would import new members that joined because this was a membership that was always open. We entered in new members that joined. How many cancels did we have? And then it would spit out a formula and it would create a, a colored cell in the spreadsheet that was either red or green. If we had more new subscribers than we canceled, aka net growth or more net subscribers that week, the box would look green. If we had fewer new subscribers than cancels, meaning we had net negative subscribers, or if we broke even, we grew by 10 subscribers, but we had 10 cancel, that little square or cell in the spreadsheet would turn red. So you just enter in the numbers, and it'd be like a green light or a red light. Now, we thought that was cute. We thought that was brilliant because then you could even 
look at the spreadsheet from a glance at any point and just sort of see how the weeks were going. We thought we'd be able to even see like trends, like green, 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 red, red. We'd always see the reds during a certain month, let's say, and be like, oh, interesting, June is a bad month. Lots of reds in June. Oh, we got three years of data on this. Yeah, June's a bad month. We thought that was brilliant to figure that out because then we would know to manage our expectations in June or to do some kind of promotion in June or whatever the case would be, right? Um, you get the drift. Red light, green light. This drove me drove me, drove me nuts. That's how crazy I was. It drove me nuts. Okay. I, I would look at this every single week and I, I, I would go into it being excited, hopeful that I'd get a green light. And for the most part, we got more green lights than red lights. Yeah. You'd have some, some red lights, but we had this arc of massive growth for years and years and years in this membership. So for the most part, I knew this thing was growing, but I basically created an opportunity every week for myself to be disappointed and for the spreadsheet to tell me if I was going to be happy or not. Now, that might sound dramatic to you, but if you're being honest, when if you're doing what I was doing, that's exactly what it was. I, I wasn't looking at anything else but the numbers. The numbers would tell me if all is well or all is not well on a week-to-week basis. Now, to me, that sounds ridiculous now years removed from that because I ended up stopping that as you could have guessed from where I'm going with this episode. The Graham of 2020 looks back at that and thinks, what an idiotic thing to do. Why measure every single week how many people are joining and canceling? That's such a zoomed in view of the membership. You almost don't even need to look at it except for once a year. Did more people join than cancel in 2019? Yes or no? Yes, great. You made money, my friend right? You know, at the very, the, the, the most you ever really want to look is how are the monthly numbers looking, but I became obsessed. And what it did, this obsession, there was a period where maybe a year or two where I was doing this weekly spreadsheet. It made me, this was the cost to, to me doing this. It made me miss the joy, miss out on the joy and the wisdom of hey, how about actually loving on and interacting with the members who are paying customers? I'm so obsessed with how many new people do we get in versus people that canceled. It's just transactional at that point. Red light, green light. As opposed to, hey, there's thousands of members in here that you could be serving. You're not even worried about them, Graham, because you're so worried about red light, green light. New people versus people that canceled. New people, yay. People that canceled, boo. Well, there's, there's a whole massive group of people in the middle that haven't joined because they're not new. They've been a member and they haven't canceled because they love it. And they're still a member. What if I focus more of my energy on just loving them and interacting with them and serving them? Maybe they would stick around even longer. And maybe I would have more green lights then, right? Because the red lights would disappear because there'd be fewer cancels. So there's so much to this, but I was not only missing out on a strategic growth opportunity by just doing lots of interaction with my members and loving on them and over-delivering, which is a little secret tip for you, by the way, if you have a community or membership. But I was missing out on the, the satisfaction of the successful membership that we had. We had a multi-six-figure membership. That's not even my business. That is one revenue stream in my business that was coming in every month, even splitting it with my buddy, making tons of money every month off this thing. And I was missing the joy in that because I was over here with red light, green light, and a spreadsheet. 
Another way I've missed it in the past is with analytics on my content. I'm huge into content marketing. I, I live or die by doing this, creating content for you regularly in both brands. This is the most important thing what I do because it's my marketing strategy to get new customers, but it's also my gift to the world because I know that statistically most people who engage my content will never be a paying customer. It's just the way it is, is the way this works. So I know that I'm doing this for free for the majority of the people that ever watch a video or listen to a podcast. So, and I, it's a big part of my heart is to have a business built on giving first and receiving later. So I give first by putting massive amounts of amazing free content out there. Well, I hope it's amazing, but valuable free content out there in the world. So I believe in this, I care about it. So even if I'm not related to sales, I just care about people liking it, right? And plus I'm a human. I'm a human and I care what people think about me, right? You know, I, well, my wife might say, I don't care what people think about me. So I have some robot in me, but I genuinely am an artist and I'm a creator. And whether it's a song you wrote or a painting you painted or a photograph you took or a piece of content you created, you put it out there in the world and you cross your fingers and you close your eyes and squint and you hope that it lands. You hope that people connect with it and people like it, right? And they don't hate you for it or hate it because um, you're getting instant feedback on the thing you created. So I care just innately about what you think about this content. So how do I know what you think about this content? Well, um, some of you are kind enough to email me directly and say really nice things. If you have something mean to say, just keep it to yourself. Um, but you know, the obvious things, you've got data, you've got analytics, right? As a podcast, I can see my podcast download analytics, although podcast analytics are awful. Come on, Apple, fix this. Um, the Chinese are fixing it. Anyway, uh, YouTube has very good analytics. Um, if you're a YouTube creator and you've looked at your YouTube studio back end, they, and they continue to make it better. I, I'm grateful for, I mean, it makes sense because YouTube is owned by Google and Google has Google analytics and they're the king and queen of analytics, but they give you very useful data and they make it very easy to get some of the information you want to get. But on a basic level, right, you can look at how many people liked your video and you can look at how many comments you got, but on a deeper level, right in, inside of YouTube, you can figure out how long people are watching your videos, where they're dropping off, like what part of the video they're like, eh, boring, and they move on, right? Um, you can see your watch time. You can see what videos are suggesting your videos or what videos are getting watched the most, even though they're not new, which means that they're coming up in search results or other videos are suggesting them. There's something that the algorithm likes about it and other people like it. So you can learn a lot about your videos. And there was a season, and I still have a struggle. It's still in there. I don't think this has ever gone away. I hope it goes away to some degree. Um, but there was a season where I was obsessive with YouTube analytics and I would look at, um, the data a little too much. And what that meant was I would look at the views and the watch time and the comments and the likes and whatever over a 48 hour period of time when the post would go live, when the video would go live. And I would make assumptions or decisions about whether that topic or that concept or that video landed or not, quote unquote, stuck, right? Connected or not based off the data I was getting in those 48 hours, because the first 48 hours are pretty important, you know, to see the, the initial first impression that people connect with it. Uh, and I would overthink about like, well, I should never do that topic again, or that didn't work, or I screwed that up, or that worked great. When maybe it didn't work great. Really, Content, I believe, there's different schools of thought on this. I think content, you need more time to know whether it really stuck or not. 
For example, there's random videos I have. Um, I did a video uh, a year and a half ago on this brand um, about LLCs versus sole proprietor. That might be how you discovered me. It's it's since become my most viewed video on this channel. Um, and that might just be because it's a common question people have. That's why I did the video because I get asked all the time, hey, Graham, do I need to form an LLC? Do I need to form an S-Corp LLC? Can I just stay a sole proprietor? So I was like, look, I'll do a video on it and just explain it because no one seems to be explaining this in common sense English. It's all like CPAs talking and they're way too smart for the rest of us. We don't speak CPA, we speak human. And so I decided to do a video on it. Didn't get any traction when it launched. But I, but, the, but I wasn't doing it for traction. I was doing it because it was going to add value to somebody out there in the world. And then I moved on with my life. Four or five months later, that video started to get picked up by YouTube. I don't know what happened. I don't know why then. But it eventually got attached to those search terms, LLC versus sole proprietorship or sole proprietorship versus LLC, blah, blah, blah. And I started to see it trend up and has grown exponentially. Now, other LLC type videos suggest that video and, and all, all this. And so that video blew up and now sends me a lot of traffic and it's a good discovery tool for me. A lot of people discover me for the first time through that video and they're like, oh, he's got other videos, etc." If I had made a, a snap judgment on that video based off of the first 48 hours or the first month even, I would have said like, oh, this is a dumb topic, should never have done it. Now, given time, the analytics tell me the opposite should probably do more videos on LLCs or sole proprietors because people have more questions, whatever, whatever. The point is, the data and the analytics, while helpful, and we'll get to this in a second, at the very end here, I, I'm not gonna just bash on numbers completely, but you can kind of get a sense of where I land on the whole numbers thing. I feel like obsessing over sales numbers, subscriber numbers, video analytics, what it does, let's go back to the Washington Post article about you know, fitness trackers on your wrist. What it does is it makes you really honed in on some numbers, yes, so that you can try to beat those numbers or react to those numbers that you miss the holistic view of, is your body healthy? Okay, okay so I'm increasing my pace, right? I'm, I'm, my average pace on my mile is up but am I hurting my ability to get pregnant? That's crazy, right? Um, my watts are up on the bike, but is my long-term endurance and performance going down that I can't actually finish a race? Weird. The analogy is very clear. Is this stat that I really care about, this conversion rate on this landing page up a half a percent, but I'm working nights and weekends and never see my family? Is sales data up and I'm hitting all my income goals, but I can't sleep at night because I've got anxiety, right? That's not good. Is my membership net growth rate up green light on the spreadsheet, but my membership is actually in decay I don't see it yet. I'm about 12 months away from it completely drying up because I'm not in there interacting with my members and loving on them. You see what I'm saying? Numbers can become a distraction from the health of your business. And your business can't grow if you're not healthy. Right? Just like training for a marathon or training for a race or like I two summers ago, I wanted to do this cycling tour in the, the mountains of France 
um, and I wanted to climb some of the highest mountains in Europe on a bike uh, around the Tour de France, actually climb some of the Tour de France like sta stages the day of, right? Before the actual real cyclists come through. I had to train for that, right? In Florida where there are zero mountains, right? The only mountain is like the speed bump on the street outside of my neighborhood, right? There's, it's flat here. So I would, try, I would train for distance and I, I could only ride for like eight miles when I started on a bike and I needed to get up to 60 miles because I knew that 60 miles or 100 kilometers or whatever would be the longest day I'd be riding in the Pyrenees, but on a mountain. So I was like, well, at least I can try to get the 60 mile distance. So I had to, to train up for that. That was a goal I had. But if my only goal was to hit those numbers and I wasn't feeding myself and taking care of my body and getting sleep or pacing myself or drinking water or bringing supplements or bringing like little chews and all these different things on the ride, like to sustain me and so my legs wouldn't cramp, like goos and stuff. Like if I didn't have all those other things, my body wouldn't be healthy enough. I wouldn't be able to hit the numbers that I was trying to hit. So looking at the numbers can actually be the worst thing for your business is the point I'm making. And I'm also, the point I'm making is that the flip side of that coin is you can, newsflash, actually grow your business without looking at the numbers. Whoa, what a concept. You might even be happier if you don't look at the numbers. It's like the culture says, oh, only fools don't look at the numbers. If you're a real business owner, you're going to just look at the numbers, know the numbers, be obsessed over the numbers. That's how you grow. They create one narrative as if the only way to grow your business is to look at the numbers. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the only way. That is a way. I would argue that maybe it's not the way to a healthy life or business, but you can decide that for yourself. I'm here to say, hmm, there's another way to grow your business. Don't really look at the numbers. Well, do, do other stuff like serve your customers, add value in the marketplace, right? research and find out what people want you to give them and then give them the things they want. Genius, right? So I have questions for you because I really want you to think about this. Some takeaways, three of them, okay? So if you're the person to write things down, please write them down. If you're driving on your way to work or your way home from work, please don't write them down. Just think about these for a moment and then maybe write them down later. Takeaway one, sometimes looking too closely at the numbers and analytics can cause you to make bad decisions. Just straight up. And the analogy here is you're looking at the trees. You're looking so closely at the trees that you have no clue what the forest looks like. Okay, that's the concept that we're getting here. It's not always true. Again, I'm not trying to give you all our black or white thinking, all or nothing thinking. It's not always true that looking at the numbers makes you make bad decisions. But when you're looking intently at the numbers, you are staring at a tree or two or three, and you have no clue what the forest is actually like, okay? So keep that in mind. So the question number one is, what numbers have you become obsessive about? What number or numbers? It might just be one, might be multiple. Is it your traffic, site traffic, right? Is it your YouTube views? Is it your YouTube subscriber count? Is it your social media following? Are you like, oh, I'm lo I lost like four people on Instagram. Please, I'm just side tangent. If you even know that you lost four people on Instagram, you need to rethink your priorities, my friend. That is a kid's game. That's like kids playing a game 
uh, sorry, complete side tangent that has nothing to do with your business. Trust me. You shouldn't even know. But if is that the number that you're obsessed about? Your social media following? Is it email opt-ins? I mean, that's a number worth knowing or caring about, but are you obsessed? Like, oh, I normally average 300 email opt-ins a month and I only got 246 this month. Ah, dude, that doesn't matter. You have no control over that kind of stuff. My numbers are never exactly the same. Are you obsessed over your email opt-ins? Is it your sales data? Is it revenue? Are you obsessed? Are you constantly looking at your Stripe data, your Kajabi sales data? Are you constantly looking at your PayPal account or your bank account? Like on a daily basis? I've been there. I've told you before on the show, I've literally stepped out of a church service while my, my pastor, my buddy's preaching, gone to the bathroom to look at my sales analytics for that Sunday morning. I know, God sees everything. I know, I'm so ashamed. Is it refund requests? Are you obsessed over your refund request number or percentage rate? Like, oh, gosh, got another refund. Oh. Newsflash, refunds funds are a part of all business, especially online business. But are you obsessive over a number there? What number or numbers are you obsessed with? I want you to think about that. Second question. Are those numbers actually hurting your business? Like obsessing over those numbers. Could it be hurting your business? Could obsessing over your YouTube subscriber growth be hurting your business? If so, how? I want you to ask yourself that question. I want you to be honest with yourself. Could obsessing over your podcast downloads be affecting the health of your business? Could obsessing over your Instagram or Facebook followers count be hurting your business? And in what way? I gave you some examples from my own businesses, but what, what about you? Okay, last question. What big picture signs, and I put signs in quotation, just because it's like, I didn't want to say other metrics or data, but like just more big picture signs, could you better pay attention to, to know if your business is healthy and moving in the right direction? What big picture signs could you pay attention to better? to know the health of your business. So instead of the numbers, what could you look at, right? Remember that article? The cyclists who stopped focusing on their pace and those numbers instead focused on their form. It's a lot more vague, right? Their form on the bike, their breathing, just focus on their breathing or nothing at all, performed 10% better than their data-driven counterparts in that study. So what other big picture signs could you pay attention to? For example, the quality of your work? What if you paid more attention to the quality of your work? Do you do work with excellence? Okay, one of my buddies, I'll make a plug for him, uh, Jordan Rayner, is a brilliant entrepreneur uh, and author. He's got a couple of really, really good books. He has a brand new book that just came out uh, this month called Master of One. And it's all about 
focusing your work and doing excellent work, right? And the key to entrepreneurship is to be excellent, to not do the bare minimum and, well, the customer will never notice the difference, right? Like to focus on the quality of our craftsmanship or the quality of what we deliver or the quality of how we serve people. So go get Jordan Rainer's book, Master of One. I don't get any royalties from it. He's just a really smart guy and it's a really great book. Uh, but could you focus on the quality of your work? Like how good are your videos or your podcasts? How good is your online course? How good is your membership? How good is, good is your service or your consulting practice? How well do you serve your customers? Could you focus instead on the happiness of your customers? Could that be a sign or a metric that you kind of pay attention to? It's not something you can quantify or measure. There's no data that Kajabi will spit out with your customer happiness quotient, right? But it's a big picture sign you could pay attention to. Do your customers seem happy or do they seem indifferent? Are they sending you glowing emails or comments about your course or your content? Or is it just kind of, huh, sales come in, but it's kind of, huh, I've been there. What could you do to, to increase their happiness? What about focusing on your joy in your work? What if you paid attention to your joy in your work? Do you even enjoy running your business? What aspects of your business do you not enjoy that maybe you need to get rid of or delegate to somebody else or tweak? I posted last week on Instagram that one thing I did not enjoy in 2019 about my work was my schedule. A lot of things changed. Our kids' school rhythms had changed. We got a new office downtown. So my where I was working, when I was working changed. I never landed on a good rhythm with my weekly schedule. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. It took a lot of joy out of my work. So I got away a couple of weeks ago for my annual retreat. And one of the big things I was praying about and trying to figure out was I need a better schedule for the way business is right now in 2020 so that I can have my joy back in my work schedule. Uh, so what aspects of your business do you not enjoy? What aspects of your work do you enjoy? Can you do more of them? Right? Maybe focusing on your joy in your work. Or one final thought. What if you focused on the big picture sign of having a healthy balance between your work hours and your personal slash home hours? I don't know why people are hating on the word work-life balance or the term work-life balance. It's like so trendy right now to make fun of work-life balance. My friends, that is a sad state to be in if you're making fun of work-life balance. There should be a healthy balance between how many hours you work and how many hours you are at home or with your other aspects of your life, the people you care about. Yes, work is part of your life, but my friend, it is just a part of your life. It is an important part of your life, we spend a lot of hours working. I'm not trying to minimize the work you do. I actually want you to do excellent work. I actually want you to serve your people well. But maybe you could focus on the number of hours that you're in the office, and that can include, I don't have my phone near me, when you're on your phone. You could still be in the office when you're on your phone, right? Maybe that's a big picture sign you should focus on. How many hours you're mentally free and at home and doing personal things or having a hobby or doing whatever it is you enjoy doing versus being efficient and productive and kicking butt. Those are all good, 
but there needs to be a balance between the two. So you need to figure out what big picture signs should you be focusing on or signs instead of these numbers. Now, I said, again, I'm not trying to hate on numbers entirely. There's, of course, a caveat. So lest you leave me a mean comment or send me an email saying, Graham, but if you don't ever look at the numbers, how can you be about big business if you don't? I know, I know. I love, trust me, I am a one on the Enneagram. I'm a perfectionist. I love perfecting things. So I love numbers. That's why I can talk about this because I've struggled with this. I love Kajabi and the new analytics that they give me and all the data I can run. But I have learned that it just hurts more than it helps. So I'm aware of a few key metrics, right? There's things that you could call KPIs, key performance indicators. It's a couple of numbers that I pay attention to. I pay attention to sales, how much revenue is coming in. And I pay attention to email subscribers, mostly because they affect each other, right? Email subscribers, people opting into my email list, is a leading indicator. It's an indicator that tells me "Mm, sales are probably going to be good or bad next month. Sales are a lagging indicator. They tell me how the business is done recently. And obviously, sales is the only number that really matters. So I don't care how many people follow me on social media. I don't care about how many people subscribe on YouTube. That doesn't put money in my pocket, right? What puts money in my pocket is money in my pocket. So selling stuff. So sales is the most important number if you really want to look at numbers and then email subscribers. And then there's conversion rates, but I honestly only look at sales and email subscribers and I keep track of those. But my, my challenge to myself is to not keep track of them daily or weekly, maybe just monthly. So they're important. Yes. You got to know them. Yes. If you're a CEO, you got to know this stuff but I don't want you to be the equivalent of the runner or the cyclist in this Washington Post article that is burning him or herself out, hurting their bodies, getting worse performance, and not being able to reach your goals. I want you to reach your goals. So stop looking at the numbers. Final uh, reminder, the doors to my six-figure coaching community are closing on Friday. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash community to get all the details. Look, inside this community, I give you actionable, fresh content. There's a new class every single month. Um, This month, I have a whole class on webinars where I literally take you behind the scenes. Like if you join now, you can still get access to it, right? I take you behind the scenes of a literal webinar that I used to sell a product. Um, The strategy behind it, I even give you my webinar template to how to sell, six steps to sell through webinars. So that's like one example of one of the master classes. And then we do a live Q&A every single month where I do coaching calls with you, answer your questions live on the call. And then there is a private community where we're in there daily, like a Facebook group, but it's not on Facebook. Thank you, Lord. Um, Where we're in there interacting with each other. Like when you have a question, you can ask the community. If you want someone to review your sales copy, ask the community, including myself. If you have a win, you just want to share like, hey, you just launched your first product and got your first 150 bucks, right? Your first sale. Share that win. People are applauding you and, and cheering you on. It's like everything that you need to support you to help you grow to six figures and beyond. And so I've opened the doors again. Doors close Friday, January 24th, this Friday at midnight. And when I reopen the doors again in the future, price is going up. So this is your last chance to join at my founder's rates. It'll never be this cheap again, I promise. It's just just a way to honor you for being one of the few first people to join. You won't be the first people. We had people join a few months back last year. 
Uh, and if you joined back then, you got an even better rate. So you know who you are. But this is still a better rate than it'll be in the future. So join now while the price is what it is. A price is going up next time. And hey, it's the best way I can get you in there and help you directly. So if you're enjoying this content, you're enjoying the podcast, you're enjoying the YouTube video, but you want help growing your business. And this is honestly, again, I say this on the, the page where there's more details, but this is not for you if you don't have a business yet. Okay. I have a whole course called Automatic Income Academy, and you can check that out at grahamcochran.com. That's more of a thing for you to start your online business. But if you have your business up and running, but it's not hitting $100,000 a year or more yet, this community would be for you. I can help you do that. It is the biggest thing I'm focusing on every single week here at Graham Cochran. So join at grahamcochran.com slash community before Friday at midnight. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you are no longer going to look at the numbers and I uh, hope you have a lot more fun in your business and grow your business in 2020. I'll see you on another episode real soon. Mm-hmm.